pet peeves. We all have them. You know, for my daughters, and funny, it's both of them have this pet peeve. If I chew even for a split second with my mouth open, they are quick to tell me how annoying that is. One of my pet peeves as a teacher will make sense to you. It's when people block the hallways to talk. And even if you say excuse me or you try to work your way around these people who are congregating to talk, it's almost as if you are inconveniencing them, not the other way around. It makes me sometimes yell down the hallways of my school, hey, hallways are for walking, not for talking. But the funny thing is that this pet peeve did not develop at school. It actually developed at church. So take a listen to this parent-teacher conference episode where I talk about our pet peeves. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other coffee drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host. This podcast we discuss issues that affects parents and teachers. Well, really, we, we discuss issues that affect kids. And as a parent and as a teacher, I try to look at those things from both sides in order to best help kids. And I hope you enjoy what you're about to hear. We're going to talk about pet peeves today, and that affects parents, teachers, and kids, and how best to deal with them. If you enjoy... What you hear today, I would love it if you kind of expand our audience by sharing the podcast with a friend. Tell them, just look for the Parent-Teacher Conference Podcast on Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you found this through a link on Twitter or Facebook, feel free to share it out. If you would like to contact me, if there's something I say today that you think is quite funny or happens in your family, if there's something of a concern or something you want to question about me or what I've said, or if you just want to share some of your pet peeves with me, maybe I missed some today, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. It's all one word. P is in parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference, podcast411 at gmail.com. 
I do have several listeners who correspond with me on a regular basis, and it's been great. It's been one of the most enjoyable parts of doing this podcast. Yeah, I don't have thousands of listeners per episode, but it seems to me I have a small but loyal listener base of people who have been encouraged, who have asked some good questions, who have shared with me that I made them think about some some things from a different point of view, both parents and teachers. So I that's probably the best thing for me about this podcast. I know I often say that I do this podcast so my wife doesn't have to listen to all these thoughts that are collecting in my brain about teaching and parenting. But one of the most enjoyable things of it is, yeah, one, it has saved my marriage, but two is getting to discuss these issues a little deeper that I present with my listeners. And I'd like to thank everybody who has reached out to me and encourage you if you haven't, again, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. So my first pet peeve there, right? I discussed hallways are for walking, not for talking. And even though this happens a lot at a school, this pet peeve of mine really didn't start at a school. It started at a church. And I'll, I'll tell you the church. It's, it's a good church. And I went there when I lived in Connecticut. It's Trinity Baptist Church in Fairfield, Connecticut. It's right off I-95. Very convenient. So in this church, you have the sanctuary where you have the church service, right? And then you walk out the doors. Now, you can continue walking straight right out to the parking lot if you like. But I had some friends in the church. I was working with the youth minister as a volunteer leader. So it's always good to catch up with your friends. It's always good to talk with the kids that you're working with each week or even their families. So in order to do that, you wanted to get to, if you're a Protestant, you probably know this term, the fellowship hour, right? The fellowship hour is coffee hour. They typically have some coffee there, some juices, water, donuts. may not be particularly healthy for you, but as a young guy in my 20s, I probably didn't eat breakfast, so it was also a free breakfast. Now, the fellowship hour took place in the church gym, and it worked out perfectly because the kitchen was right off the gym. You just roll out everything onto the floor. But in order to get to the gym, you had to walk down a hallway. You, you, know, you kind of greeted the pastor, said hello, Pastor DeVries, great guy. Then you make a left down the hallway. I would say it was about 100 feet from the doorway of the sanctuary to the doorway of the gym. And there was really nothing in between except for the church mailboxes. Now, it's actually a good system. What a lot of churches do, even the one I currently go to, I realize does this, but it took me about a year to, to know they were stuffing things in my mailbox. I didn't realize I had a mailbox. This was the 90s. And the internet for most people didn't exist in their lives. The churches weren't sending out email blasts about upcoming events. How you found out was you went to your church mailbox. It saved a lot of money on postage. They would just put a flyer or put a reminder in your church mailbox, and you just pull it out each week. So these mailboxes were set up on a wall between 
the sanctuary of the church, and the gym. And I think you know where I'm going. What would happen would be people would stop at their mailbox to pull stuff out. That's fine. It's what it's there for. And you could still scoot around them quite easily. But as you're getting your mail out, somebody would come up to you and say, Hey, Kevin, how's everything going? And all of a sudden, other people would start congregating, probably getting their mail. They would hear what's going on. Or a family would come over, wife, three kids, right? And the next thing you know, this small conversation of two turns into a horde of like 12. And it's in a big circle and it extends well past the area of the mailboxes on one wall, almost to the other wall. And it's church, and you want to be nice, but you have to excuse me, excuse me. And there could be several of these pockets. And like I said before, I'm an introvert. It's not that I'm overly shy, don't want to talk to anyone, but these big party-type atmospheres, and there are people who are more extroverted, they thrive on these pockets, right, of people. And they'll just join in, hey, party! Now, you're in church, you don't think of it that way, but... If you do go to church, think about it. If you have this fellowship hour, there are people who thrive in that setting. They remind me of football parties back in high school in somebody's backyard at night. And I, I, was, I didn't thrive in that setting. I would stay with my small group of friends. I had other friends who were very extroverted, and they would go around, hey, and they'd be like the life of the party. And you see that even in church, even in schools. For me... I just want to get from the sanctuary to the gym, to the safety and the comfort of having my coffee in one hand, my donut in another, and talking to a few people before I leave. Other people thrive on that. Hey, meeting new, hey, hey I've never seen you before here. They thrive. That's, I'm not knocking it, but it became a pet peeve for me, right? Because it's so outside of my nature. And of course, I take that pet peeve and it works perfectly into the school setting. Now, the difference between the school setting and the church is you don't have two to three minutes to pass from one class to another. So some of these gatherings of friends in the hallway are actually delaying them from getting to class on time. And I get it. I get this, the social thing of it. You know, part of school is is the social aspect. And as teachers, we want to encourage good social interactions. I'm not saying we should cancel anybody talking in a hallway. I think that's a great thing. I, I think teachers sometimes go quite overboard on, it's all about school, get the class on time, get the class on time. I, I, I really do. It, it creates anxiety for students. I think they do need time to blow off between classes. They do need time to interact with kids their age talking about topics that kids their age talk about. At the same time, I do believe they need to be respectful of getting to their class on time. I know sometimes you have some teachers that feel that school is all about compliance. It's stripping away students' humanity from them. You need to give them time. That's more valuable. That time talking with their friends is more valuable than anything that can go on in your classroom. And then you have the other extreme, right, of the teacher who says, no, they're here to learn. This is their job. They must be in my class on time. And I'm the teacher who says, why can't both be true? 
students need that time to blow off steam, to talk with other kids, to socialize. We're social beings. At the same time, the purpose of school, the reason their parents are sending them to school is they need to be in that classroom to learn that subject. And they should be there on time to be respectful of the teacher. Teachers should respect that kids need their time. Kids should respect that teachers need to accomplish what they're being paid for by their parents. I, I, I it, it's always unfath. You know, I think a lot recently we've talked about going one extreme or the other, and I think this is one of those situations where you have teachers fall into one of those two categories. But there's a lot of teachers like me who believe you can chew gum and walk at the same time. I really feel bad for the teachers who can't. Now, a lot of my pet peeves actually don't take place in the school. It takes place behind the wheel of a car. So let me know if these pet peeves make sense to you, okay? You're driving down a road, and there's a turn coming up. It's a right-hand turn. A car puts on its blinker. Everything's fine. But then, instead of just making a simple right-handed turn... They swing to the left to make the right. We're not talking a huge truck. We're talking about a car. Even an SUV, we're not talking about a tractor trailer. There's no reason to swing the car to the left. You have power steering. Your back wheels are going to follow your front wheels. You don't need to swing wildly to the left to make a right. And, of course, why that's a concern is... I'm one of those guys that will try to go around you as you're making your right. So now you're, you're blocking me from getting around you, and there's really no reason for you to drift into the left. You're not driving a huge tractor trailer. The other pet peeve while I'm driving, you're going down a road, and now you're coming up to a person you see making a right onto your road. They're about to, they're at the stop sign. Now, don't even get me started about rolling. That's just illegal. It's not even a pet peeve, but rolling through a stop sign I'm talking about. But the people that you look behind you in the rearview mirror, they can see behind you. There is no one behind you. All they would have to do is wait for you to pass, and they can make the right. But instead, they cut you off. I'm not talking about the person you're a good way down the road and they make a right in front of you. I'm talking about the person who you have to hit the brakes because they cut out in front of you. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is when they start driving substantially slower than you were driving. I mean, is it a pride issue? They have to be in front of you? Now, just so you know, my daughters know all my driving pet peeves. Those are the two biggest ones. I get more angry in the car than in my house. We were driving. My, both my daughters were in the car, and one of my oldest daughter's friends were in the car with us. And somebody cut in front of me. I had to tap the brakes. They were going slower. I'm like, why did you feel the need? I'm like yelling at the person, even though he can't hear me. My daughter's friend is like laughing, and she just said, like, I've never seen this side of your dad before. And I even turned to my daughters and I said, hey, when, when do you hear daddy yell the most? In the house or in the car? And simultaneously, they both said, the car. 
So I guess that's a good thing. I, I, I don't get angry at them. I mean, I get upset with them if they do something wrong, if they misbehave. They get consequences. I may raise my voice a little bit. But I guess I save my wrath for people who drive like idiots. People who will never hear that wrath. And that's one of my wife's pet peeves, is me yelling at another driver who does something stupid. My wife's response always is, you know, the only person who's hearing you yell right now is me. You know, that's not changing anything about that driver. You know that, right? The only thing it's doing is annoying me. So one of my wife's pet peeves is me yelling at the car that did something stupid. And trust me, they did something stupid. What are your pet peeves? I know some people get annoyed when people click a pen on and off. That's a pet peeve. Remember you're my age when you got like the nail scratching on the chalkboard or even the chalk making that like screeching sound. You don't have to worry about that anymore with the advent of first the dry erase marker boards and now many of us have smart boards in the room so this generation of children never had that experience of the screech of the chalkboard think about that and as a teacher these young teachers coming up have never had the experience of having chalk all over their sleeves right you know what i'm talking if you're a teacher as old as me you know i'm probably that last generation of teachers that started their careers using chalkboards. There were no whiteboards. And this current crop never had the experience of, some of them never even had the experience of being in a classroom with a chalkboard. Think about that. I have a friend of mine who's an English teacher who, I gotta be honest, and if she ever hears this, this might be the only time I admit it, I'm always afraid to write her anything. Because I am the I have notorious bad grammar, and I'm afraid she's going to correct me. I've said it to her before; she just laughs. But even the other day, she posted something on Facebook page, and it said it was edited. So I had to see what the edit was, and, and I kind of guessed what it would be. She it wasn't that she changed a thought or added to a thought. Like when I edit something on Facebook, it said I change a thought or edit a thought. She corrected her grammar. See, I would just let it go. But, um, but for some people, that's a big deal. I guess for English teachers, it's a huge deal. And, you know, the one grammar I do, re- do correct, and a friend's father, who was a teacher himself, drilled this into me where it does sound incorrect. I kind of pick it up like that, is when good and well are used wrong. So if a kid says, I think I did good on the test, I would reply, you think you did well on the test. So I kind of get the person who corrects grammar when I think of it that way. It just doesn't sound right. Some people have a pet peeve of others walking through a store, talking on their cell phone. I don't have a problem with that. Hey, if you want to have an open conversation with somebody on a phone in front of me and share pretty intimate details about your life, Hey, go for it. I don't care. But I know a lot of people do have that pet peeve. 
But what are pet peeves, right? When you think about it, there's like social faux pas that they're in the bigger scheme of life. They're minor annoyances. Even my pet peeves. It's a minor annoyance to work my way, to slallow my way down the hallways through all the different groups of kids who are talking rather than moving and talking at the same time. It's a minor convenience when the car cuts me off and decides to drive 15 miles an hour on a 40 mile an hour road. The danger is when we take something that's a minor issue like a pet peeve and we turn it into a major issue. And this has ramification for school settings. So I'll give you an example. I've shared in past episodes, I hate silence. I can't stand, that's, I guess it's a pet peeve. I just cannot stand silence. I need some kind of noise. Well, there are some teachers and some students who want perfect silence. So let's say it's a study hall setting. I would have teachers in my school who would say, everybody absolutely needs to remain silent. Where my feeling is, well, the kid can talk quietly and they're getting their work done. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem when that level goes above because now typically if the level's going above and beyond just a simple talking to a neighbor near you, you're not doing what doing the work you're supposed to be doing. That's what that time period is for so you can accomplish getting some work done or getting the help you need. But then what happens is, well, we all have to teach the same way. We all have to approach it. No, we don't. We don't have to approach it the same way. You and I are different. You and I have different tolerations. And in fact, there are students who are like me who can't stand silence. In fact, I would say that some some of the reasons that some of your students are talking in the classroom, they abhor silence. I don't think we go to every classroom and change its classroom culture and the personality of a teacher to be regimented on that. It's a, not a big deal. Silence during a study hall is not, I'm sorry, it just doesn't re, reach the level that we have to have an absolute standard in the school to satisfy one group there because in a sense they have a pet peeve about being silent. Like earlier, we were discussing students talking in the hall. That's a pet peeve of mine. I have to sh- like get around them. But I'm not going to go to the principal. I'm not going to go to my team and say, hey, we need to stop this. These kids need to stop talking. I do agree they need to get the class on time. But I don't agree that if you, if a child can kind of work it out where they stop at their locker they talk to their classmate for a minute, and they get to their class on time, why are we going to punish that kid? Why are we going to lay out a blanket rule that says, nope, you can't talk in the hallways? Again, it kind of denies their humanity a bit, because part of being human is being a social being. And like I said earlier, we don't run to the other extreme where there are no boundaries. We are a community. The school is a community. You know, there's this, I'm not a great philosopher, but I know there's this term called like teleology or like what is the purpose? What is the aim? And we, when we look at a school, what is the aim? What is its function? Why does it exist? It exists 
to educate, right? That's the primary goal of the school. So yes, the child needs to get to their class on time because it lines up with the primary goal. Doing anything else or trying to avoid that primary goal, then it's no longer a school. It's no longer being designed or being outfitted or being in, going in the direction of what its purpose is. If we say, well, it's just a place where kids hang out, well, that doesn't make it any different than a mall in the 80s. And again, something I said earlier, you can chew gum and walk at the same time. We can have a school where kids are comfortable and they know they can have time to socialize and at the same time have a school that meets its primary purpose. This is one of my concerns, always one of my concerns. I had an episode on social-emotional learning. A lot of people were upset with me. I think I lost some Twitter followers over it, actually, about that you, you, want, you want a free social-emotional learning program for your school because that's so big right now. Extend recess. Extend times where kids can be kids. And some of you might just say, wait a minute, you're confusing us. You just said the purpose of a school is to educate. The reason that recess time has shrunk down, even in K through 8, is so we have more time on task to accomplish our goal. But I would say you can't accomplish your goal by having a wrong view of children or even human beings. Kids need that time for their brains just to shut down the focused learning portion, the academic learning, and learn how to socialize. Because in the end of the day, they're social beings. And I would, I would say that allowing that time for a kid to interact with others has benefits for the teleos of that school for its ultimate aim and purpose. Now, one of my big things about my classroom is in order for a kid to learn, they basically have to want to be there. You know, I always tell the parents at back to school night, if your kid doesn't have to fall in love with history, but if they say to themselves, hey, if they're telling me history is important for me to learn and I'm not a big fan, but I can handle being in that guy's class for 45 minutes a day for the school year. I've accomplished something. In order to reach the ultimate end of what a school is for, we have to, we can't make kids out to be little robots. We have to still treat them as they are. That's part of getting them from point A to point B. We're not taking robots and moving them that they're automatons and they're just going to go blindly down the hall and they're going to be just school focused, school focused. Nobody's like that. That's unrealistic. We have to say, no, they are humans who desire social interactions, not just, you know, you, you, in a sense, you do have to be partly a circus barker. You have to draw them in. We can't, we don't live in the age anymore where I guess this is one of my pet peeves. Teachers who believe when a kid comes to my classroom, they know they have to learn. That's not what society's teaching them, for better or worse. I'm not, you know, that's a whole nother episode or several episodes. Has society got it wrong? And I do believe, and that this is the other side now, it's gonna 
get angry with me. I do believe we need to teach children that a teacher gets your respect because they're the teacher. It starts on day one. A teacher doesn't have to earn your respect. I think that's a bunch of BS. We have to get back into the situation of no, because of the fact they are the teacher, they get your respect. Now, can a teacher lose that respect by their actions? Absolutely. I, I, teachers aren't infallible. They make bad mistakes and they're bad teachers. At the same time, we can also say they can also gain in respect. Your respect can deepen for them because of how well they teach and how well they reach you and treat you. I, it's just a pet, another pet peeve of mine are people that put teachers and students on the same level. They're not. It just, it won't work that way. That's not how society works. I mean, if there is no order of hierarchy at all that we have to respect at all, you know what you got? You got a bunch of narcissists running around thinking that they're the only ones that are important in the world. Very self-consumed and uncaring about anybody else but themselves. That is not this is the world or society I want my daughters growing up in. That pet peeve, I think it's beyond a pet peeve, actually. I, we have to treat other people with respect. And a teacher who's in front of the classroom gets that respect on day one. That's just my feeling on it. And at the same time as teachers, how do we lose respect? When we treat our pet peeves like national emergencies. And we lay down the hammer on a kid who breaks one of our pet peeves instead of showing them mercy. I think there are times that teachers have to take some prosecutorial discretion. Students do things wrong. They absolutely do. But, and I don't think, I, I think we do them an injustice if we avoid any consequences for actions. But as a teacher, I also believe we have to ask ourselves as, in, at times, what should the, am I going overboard on the consequence? Or is this issue more of a pet peeve of mine? Or something that will affect the learning experience for my other students. If it's a pet peeve of yours, I think you just let it go. But if it does affect the learning experience of the other students in your classroom, then I believe it's your mandate to take action. A teacher making sure their classroom is orderly, safe, and conducive for students to learn are not doing anything wrong. If anything, they are promoting the telios of a school. They are promoting the purpose of what their students' parents believe a school is for. Thank you for joining me on the Parent-Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parents. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember... 
A good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.